Welcome to a new episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Caden returns to kick off a new series titled Mad Men of the Old Testament. Now, I'm sure everyone knows a foolish man, but we want to make sure we aren't one. John Mark takes us through three simple steps that will help us be sure we aren't living like a foolish man. Now, let's hear from the pastor. Man, it's good seeing you guys this morning, hanging out. Uh, always good to start uh, Tuesday morning off right with guys. Bring somebody with you uh, as we study God's Word. And uh, We are going to start a new series uh, today entitled Mad Men of the Bible. And uh, the reality is, uh, even though we're going to be looking at some men in the Old Testament, uh, what you will notice as we journey through uh, looking at some of these guys, you'll look around and see some of these same dudes today. All right. How, how many of you, uh, let's be honest, and by the way, for those of you who are new, uh, here's kind of the way we operate in here. Anything the pastor says before 7 a.m. stays before 7 a.m., right? Uh, so let me ask you a question. How many of you know a dude uh, that, that just somebody, don't point at them in the room, please, but they're just kind of an idiot. They're just pretty much an idiot uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, how many of you know a guy uh, who is an idiot but they clearly outmarried themselves. How, let's be honest. You're like, you, you meet this dude, you get to know this dude, and you're like, no one likes this dude. Every time he opens his mouth, everybody cringes. How many of you know a guy like that? That just, man, you just, every time you're around this dude, just he makes you nervous when he starts talking. How many of you know a guy like that? And uh, don't, I told you not to call people's names and or point at them if they're in the room but have you ever noticed that that sometimes a dude that's an idiot who makes everyone around them uncomfortable uh when they begin to talk uh that that dude sometimes marries a lady that you're like how did he score her anybody know a guy like that right I mean, you're just kind of sitting there going, now what happened in that scenario? And we're going to look at a guy like that in Scripture today, that everything about this all the way down to the dude's name says he is a fool. But here's what we also know. My guess is every dude in this room knows someone that you're like, he's an idiot. Most of what comes out of his mouth is stupid stuff, right? That's kind of the, the reality is uh, uh, my, uh, uh, my uh, I have a shirt that I wear. I may wear it to work out with Todd today, uh, but uh, I've got a shirt that says pastor warning. Anything you, he's seen it, anything you say or do can be used in a sermon against you. And uh, my kids bought that for me a, a, a couple of years back. And because they, they hate the fact that, uh, that I always use them or use Gina or use the dog in, in my sermon and I, they don't like it. And they're like, Dad, we wish you'd stop. And my answer to that is stop doing stupid stuff, right? If you don't want to be in my sermon, don't do funny things. Don't do dumb things. But how many of you know that there are times that there is a dude that is a fool. He says dumb, dumb stuff, uh, man, but that guy can be wildly successful in business. You ever known that guy? And they outmarry themselves. And you're kind of like, how does that happen? And the truth is, did you say, someone say money? Uh, someone say money. There's a dude like that in scripture. If you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 
There's a guy exactly like that in scripture. His name is Nabal. And, and Nabal, when you look at Nabal in 1 Samuel 25, here's what you know. Um, is, is he's, he's a wealthy dude. He's a successful dude. He, he's got large herds. He's got lots of sheep. He's got lots of farmland. This guy is a wealthy guy. This guy knows people who knows people who know people. But this guy apparently is an idiot. And, and here's something else I've noticed about idiots. Anybody go? The only person in the room who doesn't know they are an idiot is the idiot. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? Now, this is where I'm saying we're talking about mad men of the Bible. And so we're just kind of being real and being honest. And here's the truth. We all have those friends, right? And there are times that when I say the only person in the room that doesn't know they're the idiot is the idiot, then a lot of times those who are closest to them, those who love them, sometimes their wives, sometimes their friends, they're always trying to cover for them. You ever know what I'm talking about? When we look at Nabal, this is exactly the kind of guy that we're gonna see. You're going to see a guy that everybody around them knows who he is as a matter of fact he's probably gone through his entire married career having his wife cover for him but then there comes a time when a fool will say something so foolish to the wrong person that it is not going to end well for them and the problem with a fool is that sometimes when they go down, not only do they go down, they take everybody around them down as well. Their families, their employees, and their business. So when we think of a typical fool, and we're gonna look at it, and by the way, the Hebrew name fool, and Nabal simply means fool. Fools aren't always unsuccessful. Fools aren't always single. Fools aren't always isolated and alone. Fools may end up broke, but they're not always broke. They may end up alone, but they weren't always alone. Does that make sense? So the challenge for us today, guys, is that as we look at this example of a madman in Scripture, is to take some lessons learned and make sure that I am not repeating some patterns that we see in his life that will ultimately destroy my life, my business, and my family. So here's the story. If you look before uh, verse 14, uh, you, have, you have this guy named Nabal. And he is a wildly successful dude. He has a lot of men working for him, a lot of sheep. And, and in those days, uh, out in the wilderness, uh, out in the country, if you want to put it that way, uh, it was not uncommon uh, for, remember in the book of Judges, that what would happen is Midianites would come in and steal uh, the harvest of the children of Israel. Remember a guy named Gideon, right? And it says they would wait until the crops were ripe and the fruit was ready. And the marauders would come over the hills. They would steal everything they have and they would take it back well they would do the same thing with the livestock with the sheep with anything that they had and so it com commonly come in and so what would happen sometimes is there would be a collection of men who would basically make their living 
by protecting the shepherds and the farms of the people. That, that's who they were. They, were. they were kind of in the old days. They were the law. Well, David and his men were in this season, and you remember David's season where David had been anointed as the next king, but Saul was still the king. And so in that time and in that season, what you would see is Saul would try to attack David. Then every once in a while, they would get in line and Saul would say, hey, David, I'm sorry, I'm not going to kill you anymore. I'm not going to try to kill you anymore. I really need you to go knock out the Philistines. How many of you remember kind of that cycle that would take? David would go knock out the Philistines and you say, man, I'm serving my Lord Saul. And then uh, David would come back to Saul and Saul would throw a spear at him. How many of you remember that, right? Saul could be one of these madmen. So just hang in there. We might come back to this in a couple of weeks. But so what would happen is David could never just go back and hang out where the king was because the king had this love-hate relationship with David. When, when the king needed David to go kill someone, he would say, David, get your mighty men together. Uh, go slay the Philippines. Go attack these people. But uh, don't stay around me. Just be there when I need you. And so David's out around Mount Carmel in that area. And that's where Nabal really was around and he had lots of fields and he was a powerful man and he was a wealthy man but when the sheep were being uh, being prepared uh, to be sheared there were thieves and robbers that would come in and so david's men would protect nabal's flocks and nabal's crops and nabal's everything now typically what would happen in these seasons is that if you had a group of men let's say y'all were my men Let's say that I'm a wealthy landowner and I've got, I've got crops, I've got sheep, I've got all of these things, and I've got my men that are shepherds. They're not fighters. Y'all are the warriors, and y'all just spend time protecting my, whether I've just hired you or not. If, if y'all spent time protecting my wealth and my property, it would not be uncommon for you to come to us from time to time. Hey, listen, we could use some food, we could use some water, we could use some wine, we could use some different things like that. And me say, absolutely, right? And that's exactly what we see in this story. So, so David's men have made sure Nabal hasn't lost one animal. Go read the first 13 verses. Didn't lose one thing. Didn't steal from him, didn't take from him, but they need some food. And so David sends his men and says, go to Nabal and go to Nabal's men and say, hey, listen, uh, when my men were out protecting you, it was a good thing. Remember, we warded off these robbers and we fought back these thieves and we did this and did this. Can you spare some food? And, and by the way, it, it says in the early part is it, it was the time of shearing. Well, guess what? That's really uh, when the sheep pay off, right? Because then they get to sell all the wool and everything. And so he, he had he was loaded. And this is a season he got more loaded. And instead of receiving them well, Nabal basically says, why should I take my money and give you anything? And he pretty much dogs them out. And he sends them away. And he goes, by the way, who's this David guy? Well, these boys came back and said, David, it didn't go so well. Nabal kind of, Nabal and his men just kind of ran us out. They mocked us. And by the way, they said, uh, he says, um, he doesn't even know who you are. Well, let me tell you what, he knew who David was. Wealthy men in Israel in those days, they knew who David was. They knew he was the next king. They knew he was a giant slayer. They knew he was everything. They knew everything about him. Just ran him back. So David says, really? 
If that's the way this fool wants to do business, I love what David says. He says, strap on your swords, boys. We're going to go deliver a message. And, and, and we'll talk about it here in a second. And, and this is where that before seven comes in. And, and, but I'm really okay because it's King James translation. David says, strap on your swords, boys. We're going to ride in there and we're going to kill everything that pees on a wall that Nabal owns. You say, really? Actually, the King James translates it, everything that pisseth on a wall. Go look it up. <laughs> Go look it up. What is he saying? Do ladies pee on walls? Only the weird ones. We're going to need a post-edit on that before we release that podcast. No, he's saying dudes, right? He's saying every dude that's associated with Nabal, including his sons and every man and every dude in his house, we're going to go kill them all, boys. We're going to go kill them all. And if you, by the way, if you, if you have a digital, just switch over and read this part where it says we're going to kill every male. That's what it's going to say in the NIV. Click over in the King James Version and you'll see what it says. Everything that pisseth on the wall. I, I don't know about you, uh, but you, you, ever, you ever taught your son? My youngest, uh, my oldest son, Jace, when he was getting ready to be potty trained, um, I told Gina, I got this. And she was like, man, I can't get him to use rush. And so I walked around the back of my house and I said, come, come son, let me show you this. And so I just kind of peed on the back of my garage. I did. It was brick. And I said, this is the coolest thing. Jace peed on the back of the garage. Walked in, I said, got it taken care of. We know how to do it now. We both. And it will be funny is every once in a while, you would see him go out that back door and Gene go, what's he doing? I said, he got to pee. And so the longest time he would, he would pee on the garage. He just liked it going out there, standing peeing on the garage. Now it became kind of awkward when we're out there in one of those family kickball games and the girls and the neighbors are over there and Jace just rolls up to the back of the garage, right? And so Gina was like, all right, we're gonna have to go to step two. Now it was in those seasons, what was weird is he was, he would, he would poop in his diaper, but he'd pee on the garage, all right? Well, I'd rather him do that, right? But that's what David is saying. Everyone that is a man is, this the part where is going to die. Everyone's going to die. So let's pick up the story. So, da uh, so Nabal has already sent David's men, men away. And it says, one of his servants told Abigail. So Abigail is, Na uh, is Nabal's wife. So here's one of those seasons, right? As we think about it, these are, these are, these are dudes. We're dudes. We're talking about this fool who says dumb things, who's an idiot all of his life. And you're going to see here in a second, Nabal even is acknowledged by Abigail to mean fool. He so outmarries himself that these men, one of the servants went and told Abigail. Now, I don't know what has happened between the beginning of their story together and now. But apparently this has already become a common theme. Nabal does something stupid. The servants go behind his back to Abigail and say, we've got to figure out how to save Nabal's neck. Anybody know anybody like that? 
So one of the servants goes around his back to his wife and to Nabal's wife says, David, and here's the story. They said, David sent a messenger from the wilderness to give our master his greetings. But instead, Nabal hurled insults at them. Yet these men, the, the, these are the men, right? They understand. They protected everything we had for so long. And we're at the shearers now, mainly with all of our flocks and all of our crops because of David's men. And he says, these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us one time. And the whole time we were out in the field near, uh, near them, nothing ever went missing, night and day. They were a wall around us the whole time. We were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over, they said, and see what you can do. Now here's what is happening. And then this is a sad scenario, guys. Make sure this isn't your life is that the servants of Nabal are asking his wife to cover his rear. That's a challenge. He said, see what you can do. And so as we continue to read, uh, they were not wall around us, and they, no, no sheep were overlooked. Now think it over and see what you can do, because if you don't listen to this, because disaster is hanging over our master, Nabal is going to get taken out. And his whole household, you're going to get taken out. And all of us servants are about to get taken out. He is such a wicked man that no one can even talk to him. Did you get that? See, the problem with the fool is oftentimes even their friends, or in this case, their spouses, or even those who care about them, even they won't listen to these individuals. See, Part of being a fool is not being willing to take wisdom and right words and direct words from someone else. So guys, for the, the challenge for us is not to figure out who the Nabal is, our, is in our life, but to make sure we aren't a Nabal. Because he has, in his foolishness, in his wickedness, in his ignorance, put everybody at risk. Man, he's successful. He's outmarried himself. He's done a lot of things right. But in this instance, he is about to get everybody slaughtered, primarily the dudes. So let's continue to read. Everybody's about to hurt. So notice verse 18, Abigail acted quickly. Now, again, I don't know what had happened from the day they were married till now, but clearly this was probably something she had had to do before that she had had to cover his tail before. That's why the men went to her. Said, listen, he did it again. He did it again. He did it again. And I, and I want you to know, guys, here, here's the deal. Is when we think about foolish people, there are sometimes that the dude is the fool. Sometimes it's the woman that's the fool. Let's be honest, right? Anybody ever known some guy that you really love? He's great, but you, you, you kind of know his wife and you're like, oh. And, and you, you, it can be the same thing with employees. By the way, you're thinking French. Same thing, employees. There's some, some employees that, man, they're just amazingly talented. They work hard, but you're constantly trying to bail them out. Anybody ever had an employee like that? That you're constantly trying to bail them out. You're like, dude, you sit there and you have a conversation and you go, you know, man, you're amazingly talented and you work hard, but you destroy every relationship you have. Now, somebody pointing over here, and, and we've all been there, right? That you can't even help someone help themselves. And that's where he is. 
So they go to his wife and they say, listen, you need to do something quickly because this is not going to end well for us. So let's continue to uh, uh, read on verse 18. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of, of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grains, a uh, hundred cakes of raisin, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on the donkeys. You know what? That's all David's men wanted anyway, right? We, we protected you. you. We've protected your wealth. Now give us some food. She just does the right thing. Here you go. We appreciate it. Now you look at verse 19. Then she told her servants, go on ahead. I will follow you. But she did not even tell her husband Nabal she was going to do it. Now this is a sad season, right? Anybody ever had an employee? Anybody ever had a friend that you couldn't even tell them anymore you were about to help them because if you told them you're about to help them they wouldn't even let you help them how many of you know what i'm talking about and, and so men we don't ever want to be in this space we don't want to be this kind of person when people who love you and care about you are having to cover your tail for you over and over again sometimes we need to make course and attitude and conversation corrections in such a way that those who love us and care about us don't always have to go defend us and sometimes defend us without telling us because they know we're so foolish we would keep them from pursuing the best so let's continue to read uh, but she did not even tell her husband verse 20 as she came riding in on a donkey into uh, a mountain ravine there were there were david and his men descending uh, toward her and she met them and david just had just had said to his man it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property he's talking about nabal in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing he has paid me back evil for good. In other words, that's what he's done. May God deal with David. This is David talking to himself. May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male. That's that Hebrew word. NIV kind of softened it up. A dude. But the Hebrew word is anything that pees on a wall. All right. Anything, anything that pees on the wall is exactly what, he, what it says. Go read it, King James Version. Of all who belong to him so david is rolling he's going to do exactly what that servant told abigail he was going to do he's going to come kill us he's got 400 men we're, we're, we're a bunch of ranchers we watch sheep we're farmers they're soldiers how many of you have heard of david's mighty men these dudes knew about david's mighty men david's going to roll in there with 400 dudes they're going to have swords on their sides and it's not even going to be a fight it's going to be over before we even know it got started and so abigail she has gone out there and, and she has moved uh, in, in such a way that she needs to step in for her husband when abigail saw david she quickly got off of her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say to you. Please pay no attention to my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool. In other words, he had earned the reputation that he's been a fool from his early days. He was a fool in his middle days, and he's a fool today. Part of the definition of being a fool is not doing something foolish. How many of you know we all do things foolish? 
man, I guarantee you, there are, there are certain times that I've said certain things that I'm like, boy, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I need to back that out. Uh, it, that's not the definition of a fool. Saying something foolish is not the definition of a fool. Doing something foolish is not the definition of a fool. The definition of a fool is constantly saying foolish things over and over again and never having a course correction. The definition of a fool is constantly doing something over and over again and never having a course correction. The definition of a fool is that when you do bad things and say bad things over and over again, that you even hurt the people that you love and they no longer feel like they can come to you and correct you and you embarrass them, uh, you, uh, you put them in danger and you're not willing to change your behavior. That's the definition of a fool. And so here Abigail comes and she basically takes it all. She says, man, I'm not even going to tell him because he wouldn't even let me protect him. We're all going to die. All these servants are going to die. I'm going to go out to David. And so she rides out to save her foolish husband. And as they make the journey, I love what it says. Here's what it is. Drop down to verse 28. And she says, please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. So here's what she does. She rolls out and says what her husband should have said. That's a sad season, guys. When our wives have to fix our messes. Or if you're married to one who is a fool that the husband has to fix the wife's mess or somebody if you've employed one and you constantly spend your time fixing messages now again don't don't misunderstand a fool can be incredibly successful they can be amazingly talented but if they never learn they'll destroy your corporation they'll destroy your team we've all had them and so here Abigail says, listen, David, here's what we know. And here's what my husband should have said is that you're a great man. Your dynasty may it live forever. And when you become king, we will gladly be your servant. And if you just go down to the end of the story, verse 38, here's how it ends for Nabal. He dies. The saddest thing of all is not that he dies. It says he died as a fool. Man, you can look in God's word and some godly men did some foolish things. How many of us know that? See, the definition of a fool is not when a good man does a foolish thing. The definition of a fool is when a foolish man keeps doing foolish things and never repents, never changes his lifestyle. It just comes down to verse 28 at 38 and it says and Nabal died now she finally got around to telling him but she had to wait for him to stop drinking just go read it, it says he was drunk through a party she and she's coming back and she goes I just saved your life and all you want to do is throw a party and get drunk so she has to wait until the next day to tell him said hey listen here's what I did it says God struck him dead guys if you are a fool Let's have a course correction. So you say, all right, what is a fool? Let me just kind of give you a couple of, uh, of thoughts. Look at, nine, uh, look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. It says, a person's own folly or a man's own folly leads him to ruin. Yet their heart rages against the Lord. 
This is what happened here, and a lot of times it's just a, a person or a man's own folly is what leads them to run. So who is a Nabal? It's someone who does stupid stuff over and over again, and it costs you your marriage because your wife has had enough. It costs you your job because your corporation has had enough. It costs you your health because your body has had enough. And what happens to the fool? It says a fool comes to ruin because of their own folly, yet they will oftentimes turn and blame God. Has anyone known anybody like that? I will tell you, I've said as a pastor in my office right in there, with a guy that will tell me this story and then they will say, I don't understand why God has allowed this to happen to me. And I'm going, I really don't think you need to blame God for this. You've pretty much been an idiot all your life. I hate to, yeah, I don't say it exactly that way. <laughs> Actually, I have. So, so it shocks you that she left you after the way you've interacted with her from your honeymoon till this day it shocks you she doesn't love you anymore it shocks you you lost another job it shocks you that this and shocks you that that what does it say it says it says a, a person's own folly causes their own ruin but they get angry at god they, there are times I've literally said, I don't know why you're bringing God into this picture. He hadn't been a part of this whole painting all your life, right? So guys, here's what we need to understand. Oftentimes, our ruin, whether it's corporately or with our family or whatever it is, it's our own fault. Don't blame God. Now, the better end of Nabal's story wouldn't have been that he didn't change and he died, the better end of Nabal's story would have been for him to change his behavior and ask for forgiveness and look at Abigail's eyes and say, honey, I am sorry that I've done it again, that have put everything, including you, at stake. And all of my men that have served me faithfully, I put it all at stake because I'm a fool. Let me go with you. And again, ask for forgiveness. And let me bring another offering to David. And let me pledge allegiance to him. But Nabal apparently wasn't even willing to do that. His response, throw a party. So guys, don't let your own folly lead to your own run but if you do don't blame god so how do you spot a nabal look at proverbs chapter 9 verse 7. let me just give you a couple of quick thoughts and and, and in three or three verses or so let me just summarize who uh, a nabal is and this is how we'll close today notice what solomon says he says this Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes a wicked incurs abuse. He says, do not even bother to uh, rebuke a mocker or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Here's what he's saying. Anybody ever gone in, anybody ever sat down with somebody really 
to have a conversation for their own good. And you walked out of there being more angry than not. That's what he's saying. He says, man, there are times when, the, when they're so far over the line, when, when they just have this Teflon experience that, you know, no, it is always someone else's fault. He said, man, there comes a point when you're done trying to even breathe wisdom into that life. So you spot a Nabal when those who are the closest to them, those who love them, those who have authority over them, are constantly, usually, behind closed doors, going in trying to help them clean up their messes or clean up their messes, and they never change. If anything, they mock you and they rebuke you. Some of those words, mock and rebuke, it's not verbal. One of the ways you're mocked and rebuked by a fool, even when you go to them, is when they just go out and do it again. And so I love that last phrase, rebuke the wise and they will love you. Someone who is wise can discern. Let's be honest, we, we all know, how many of you know, we all have critics in our life, right? I can tell you as a pastor, there are a lot of people that I look out there and I've been pastor 27 and a half years and I've been someone's pastor 20 years and the way they still talk to me today, I'm wondering why, why am I your pastor? It, you clearly haven't liked me forever, right? So we all have those people. But we also should all have those people who love you enough. Do you realize you are destroying your marriage? Do you realize that, that if this keeps happening, you're going to lose your job? Do you realize if you keep doing this, it's going to cost you everything? A mocker will rebuke you and say, I got it. They won't learn. But a wise person will love you. Look down to verse 9. He says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. See, that's where we want to be, guys. We want to be the kind of person that when someone comes to us, if their heart is right, that we want to receive the wisdom they share with us, even when it hurts, right? Even when it hurts. Because if I always reject, and, and let me just tell you, let's be honest, it is not easy when someone comes out and calls you out, is it? But you better have those people in your lives who love you enough who will call you out. I will tell you a sad place to get is so foolish and so nabalish that no one even bothers to come tell you anymore. Because one of the ways you can spot a fool is every time you look up, their friend group has changed. Because someone who loves someone will go to that person and say, hey, you know, we might want to do a little course correction here. And then all of a sudden, that, guy, that person gets moved to the side, or that guy, that girl gets moved to the side, or that one gets moved to the side, or, hey, I'm going to move on to the next wife because she kept calling me out, or she kept doing this. Or, Man, guys, we don't ever want to be that way. So notice those words, verse 9, instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
Guys, as we leave here today, and this is how I want to pray, don't be a fool. Fools will embarrass the people who love them the most, their families. Fools will endanger the people who need them the most, their kids, their employees, those who rely on them. But the wise man receives instructions and will gather around them friends that will support you through the hard times and also speak truth to you when you need it. And those friends, you want to be godly ones. And that's how you're not. That's how not to become a Nabal today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, as we leave here as men at Cottonwood Creek, we want to be men's men. God, we don't shrink back from manhood. We don't shrink back from the power that you've given us, the strength that you've given us, the opportunity that you've given us as men. But we also use it well. There are those people that we bow before. There are those people we serve. There are those people we lead. And there are those people we will fight for. God, let us have the wisdom to discern which is which and who is who. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next week for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.